I'm Mike Agarbo, and this is the Get Connected Podcast, and it is a great podcast uh, this episode. We've got Brewster Kale. He's the man behind the Internet Archive. Uh, this is a digitization project that's been going around since the 90s that basically is archiving everything, not only the internet and web pages, but books, music, TV shows, and even video games. It's a fascinating interview of the 90s and all the technologies back then and how all this digitization is going and competing against big companies like, like Google. It's time to get connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We've got a really cool program today and an awesome guest uh, coming up in a bit here. His name is Brewster Kale. He is the founder of the Internet Archive. And that's an interesting website. It basically has been archiving all the websites since, uh, I guess, the web started out. Yeah, it's in, really interesting because you can actually go back. They have the Wayback Machine. Yes. And you can actually. And I've look, done that. You can look at an old website like the original version of say amazon.com or you know uh, even google.com you can see what it originally looked like just by going back in the wayback machine you just sort of pick your website pick your date and go back well you know i i know with a lot of media now and and books and and songs and and films like we're all trying to make sure that we can archive those uh, you know for future generations and you know the internet uh, is is one of those kind of I guess, mass mediums of information. Well, Brewster's original mission, and he'll talk about it in a minute, is was to originally get newspapers online. Yes. You know, back in the day when that was a daunting challenge. Well, we'll be chatting with him and uh, hearing all about it. It's a fascinating story. Let's get to some of the tech news out there, John. This was an interesting one. We're seeing the amalgamation of all the big studios now. You know, Netflix is partnering up with Sony. Looks like AT&T is uh, trying to spin off uh, their own streaming and and content, uh, you know, Warner Brothers uh, with their Discovery brand. And it looks like now, the rumor is that Amazon is negotiating to buy MGM. They want James Bond. Yeah, and The Hobbit. There is a, a lot of uh, content and material uh, in there. Uh, also, things like Stargate. MGM also owns the, the Epix uh, channel. Uh, but uh, it looks like they're willing to spend as much as $9 billion to buy MGM. It's all about the content, really. It always has, always has been. And it's so funny, right? Because uh, you know we had TV around for decades, and the streaming services came in, which really cause disruption but it's kind of all going back to the same again really well with all the consolidation for sure yeah yeah the same people are involved versus the disruptors that created things like netflix anyway we'll be uh keeping uh on top of that story and uh filling you in as we hear uh more on that uh some other stuff in the the news this was kind of a funny one john trudeau uh had a um i guess a a photo op and i guess it, it was him with his laptop his his Apple MacBook, and he was on, a, I guess, a, a Zoom call. Uh, he had a big, uh, you know, big screen TV right beside him uh, as well. But some people looking at the photo started to notice some discrepancies. Yeah, it wasn't quite what you would think a MacBook looks like because it had a lot of extra ports. So it appears to be a Windows laptop, an HP laptop, I think some people are saying. Yeah, and then apparently somebody just slapped a Apple sticker over the HP logo. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Apparently, according to his people, it was handed to him by a volunteer for the photo op. Got it. So... It wasn't planned. At least, well, you never know, right? 
Yeah. Because <laughs> he's using the MacBook in in the photo, and the big screen beside him, it it's Zoom, but you can see it's running in Windows as well. Yeah, but it's a little unclear whether or not that that big TV is actually getting a live feed from his laptop or if he's zooming in to a meeting that's being shown on that big screen. So funny. One little sticker and this big yeah. big deal about it. Who cares, right? Well, it's funny because Twitter kind of blew up because this laptop, whatever you want to call it, is on a stack of books that you can't see what the titles are. So people on Twitter were speculating what the book titles were. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Just go on Twitter and take a look yourself, but it's pretty funny. Uh, also in the news, John... Another big tech show canceled this year. Yeah, this is something that you and I were thinking might actually be something we get to go to finally. Yeah, it's uh, called IFA. Uh, this takes place in Germany over in Berlin every year. It's like their big tech show. I've been to it once. It's really quite cool. And I, yeah, I thought, you know, we're getting our vaccinations. Things are starting to get back to normal. I thought in the September timeframe, yeah, this could maybe work, but no. Well, I think it's just the case that they have to sort of lock things down now. And if they can't get sort of some guarantees on certain things, a lot of vendors have been recently uh, pulling out of Mobile World Congress, which is another big thing in Spain that's happening very soon. uh, That uh, is quickly going to a virtual event because no one's going to be there. Gas Buddy. Do you ever use that app? I used to. (laughs) Back in the day. Well, they've... uh, topped uh, the app store for the first time due to the colonial pipeline attack Uh, that big attack uh, the hackers got in with ransomware down in the u.s and shut down entire pipeline yeah for days and people were being rationed uh their gas i saw some uh, some videos where people were allowed to spend five dollars only on one type of gas on a pump and that was it and the gas prices were like almost double what they normally are yeah i mean i wonder how much gas like maybe a gallon or two barely yeah yeah that's insane but anyway gas buddy big um big app back in the day well i think one of my friends actually made that one i think it still is a big app for people that have gas vehicles yeah it basically tells you the the prices and availability of gas uh in your in your area yeah and it's it's sort of crowdfunded so when you're at the local chevron or whatever you type in what you just paid and update it for the rest of the world well you go gas buddy (laughs) uh also in the news uh this uh week Coinbase was down for over an hour amid uh, massive cryptocurrency plunges. So Coinbase is a, uh, I guess, uh, a website that you can go to to exchange and store your bit currencies. That's right. They're they're one of the biggest apps, websites for people that want to convert real world currency to actual cryptocurrency. I myself have a few uh, different currencies on that exchange, and. This past week has been a very tumultuous week for a cryptocurrency. I mean, Bitcoin was up as high as 60000 It's dropped to 40000 Give it 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, why would you want to stick money in there other than being a speculative investor, hoping that it will go up again? And there, you don't even know when or why. No, a lot of speculation this week has been because of Elon Musk's appearance on Saturday Night Live as well. Yes. Yeah. And, and also Tesla is not taking Bitcoin anymore. Right. Although they're still holding a lot of Bitcoin. Yes. So they're still going to ride this out a bit. Yeah. Do you have much cryptocurrency? No. No. You dabble in it a bit. Just to say that I have and, and you know, I, I... Not a great investment strategy, right? No, no, because no. it is, it'd be crazy to put a lot of money into it. Yeah. Uh, 
I think a lot of my friends that do have crypto, they were in it when it was basically worthless. So it didn't cost them much to get in. Yeah. Whereas now to get a one Bitcoin is like you said, tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. And, you know, a lot of my friends became Bitcoin millionaires with stuff that they had for basically messing around on their computers a few years ago. Oh, if I could go back in time. Yes. I think we all say that. We've got a fantastic guest uh, on the line now, and he goes way back in internet history as well. And speaking of way back, he's the guy that came up with the Wayback Machine, a great website where you can go to uh, browse the internet archive, like find websites from back in 1999, for example. It's shocking. I looked at some of my old stuff that I did, like back when I was just learning HTML, and it's all still there. It's amazing stuff. On the line... We've got Brewster Kale. He is uh, the man behind the Internet Archive and many, many other things. Thanks for joining us, Brewster. Hi, John. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, before we get into the Internet Archive, I just want to talk about all the bits of Brewster buried all over the Internet here as well. Uh, you've been involved uh, with the Internet from way back in uh, in the 90s. Uh, you had a, a previous... Uh, Endeavor, uh, you developed what's called the Way system, which apparently was the first internet distributed search and document retrieval system, which was, uh, I guess, a precursor to the World Wide Web. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was my probably my claim to fame of why I'm in the Internet Hall of Fame is I did a system before the web, but the web was actually easier to use and better uh, than Waze was, and it uh, <laughs> did uh, it did it. That one was the one that took over. But uh, yeah, it was a, the 90s was all about trying to get open protocols and to make it a, a an open system as opposed to sort of the LexisNexis or the AOLs of the world. Uh, you also had a company called Alexa Internet, which was sold to Amazon, uh, which yeah. uh, interestingly enough, uh, they eventually came out with the Alexa Voice Assistant. Any... any uh, Parallel no, there, I, you know. I think well, they own the name, so they can yeah. use that. But that's about it. I mean, it it's it's really it's crushing. I mean, Bill said, "Oh, you did Waze, yeah, but not that one. <laughs> oh, you did Alexa, yeah, but not that one." Um. So, uh, uh, so yeah. So, but but good name picks, I think. Well, I mean, there's some truth to that, right? Like you know, instead of the guys going to the bar saying they're a Formula One driver. But, but not. Like, at least you have those companies. Uh, the Alexa Internet. Tell, tell the listeners what that was about. Alexa, uh, Alexa Internet was uh, an attempt to try to um, collect and catalog the World Wide Web. Uh, you know, if, if, if you've ever used the Amazon, uh, people who bought this book, uh, this book, like this book, that part, um, we did that at the whole web scale. So we basically tried to help people navigate around on the net um, by saying people who like this web page like that web page by having user trails anonymized of millions of people. And that was um, uh, a, a great system. And, and uh, Amazon.com bought it. It's still up and running. It's mostly known as a web metrics company at this point. Well, around that same time, you started the Internet Archive. So explain to our listeners in a nutshell what it's all about and why you started it. The idea of why I went into the internet, actually, you know, if you dial time way back, 1980, was Oof. the idea of like, what do you do as a geek that you actually could be proud of at the end of the day? And I, I was having a hard time. I was in college trying to figure this stuff out at MIT. And I was like, uh, okay, how about let's protect people's privacy? 
Um, people are just going to throw that away. Um, and so let those protect people's privacy. And it turned out that make encryption stuff work in that time was too hard. So I went to plan B, which is to try to build the Library of Alexandria for the digital age. Could we make it so that all the published works of humankind, everything ever published, all the books, music, video, everything, lectures, could be made accessible to anybody curious enough to want to have access to it? And that struck me as a lifetime goal worth doing. And so there were a bunch of steps along the way to try to get that to work. We needed computers that uh, you know could hold more than a few megabytes or kilobytes actually at those at the at the time. Um, you know we needed a network. Uh, then we needed to go and be able to talk to things over the network. All of that stuff came about and I helped sort of push it along. I was not the one responsible for it all, but I helped sort of push it along towards this vision of universal access to all knowledge. And uh, the Internet Archive, by the time we got through Waze and I sold that to AOL, we got a business model going on the open Internet. You know, the browsers were going OK. There was open source software um, from Richard Stallman. All that structure was kind of working. Um, and then we could build the library. So in starting in 1996, we started archiving the World Wide Web because it was the most ephemeral of media. Um, so we started with, with that and the idea is just crawl the heck out of it, right? Go and start someplace and just every time you find new links to new places, just crawl that, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in, and then make the Wayback Machine allows you to see the World Wide Web as it was, surf the web as it was. But that was just the web. Then we, then we went on to television and books and other things. But we're probably best known for the, uh, the Wayback Machine, which is a free service. You should just try it. You go to archive.org and type in your own URL and, you know, see what we have from the, uh, uh, from the past. People use it all the time. A few million people use it every day. Archive.org is um, about the 300th most popular website, according to Alexa Internet. Um, yeah, I, I didn't throw that statistic. Um, <laughs> And uh, so it's about the 300th most popular website. So there are 300 that are more popular, but there are 100 million that are less. So we feel okay about that. One of the things I love about the Internet Archive as well is that you guys have also gone beyond just web and books and things like that. You're archiving video games and all of that stuff, which is important to Mike and I's childhood. That was, you know, in 1980, when you were at MIT, Mike and I had BBSs and playing on our Atari computers, playing video games. And all that stuff is in the Internet Archive as well, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So our next step was television because that was nobody was collecting it, really. So we just started collecting um, uh, from 20 countries. Uh, we, we just collected Iraqi, Al Jazeera, NBC, CBS, Fox News, Chinese, Japanese, just record it all. Um, and we make that available searchably on the Internet, at least the news on archive.org, tv.archive.org, which is kind of awesome. Um, books. Uh, we, we were in part of the Million Books Project, which came before the Google Books Project, and there's Open Content Alliance, and we we now digitize about a million books a year, and we make those available and lending. Um, and that's actually why I was in Canada for six months was to go and uh, help with the COVID response and try to make um, books available to the kids that are stuck at home. So that's uh, that was kind of. Fabulous and yes, you're right. We've we've done music, uh, video games have been really popular. With um, there's this communities uh, that have can't come together under Jason Scott um, to go and make it so it's emulations. So you can actually click and play things from that Atari or that Commodore 64 or whatever you know 
trash 80 that you had uh, at home, that those things would come back to life. It's completely weird um, and, and so great that it works that basically your browser goes and contacts the Internet Archive, downloads an emulator that was cross compiled from C code to JavaScript, comes into your browser, boots in your browser, like this Commodore 64 boots in your browser and then loads the either a floppy or the uh, uh, or the uh, cassette or whatever it is over the Internet as a virtual cassette and then runs. And it is kind of a magic uh, of, of this technology that you can make a virtual machine run in your browser, but it's working and people use it all the time. When we brought up the, the video games, um, we knew people were gonna like it, but we didn't know quite what they were gonna like. So we put it up and okay, our servers melted down. People <laughs> just couldn't, I was like, oh my God, there it is. I spent my whole junior high school living on that. And um, so uh, uh, people played it and it the biggest winner out of that was, um, oh, no, oh my God, how can I not remember this? The trails. Um, um, Oregon Trail? Oregon Trail. That's the big Oregon one? Trail, That's the big winner. That was the big winner. I mean, it just by far. It was like, I want to go and play Oregon Trail. Now, Oregon Trail is the game you never win, right? <laughs> it, is a, it is a game that you just, you, you die of dysentery in the middle of some awful place every time. And people wanted to play it again and again and again. And just, there it is. That's what melted the servers. <laughs> that was it. It was, it, was, it was Oregon. It was Oregon Trail. And I, it's such a non- 2021 you know where everybody's a winner right you know here's a trophy for showing up it's like no you die right there's, there's, there's nobody wins the Oregon Oregon Trail talking with Brewster Kale he's the man behind the internet archive a website that and projects that's essentially archiving everything <laughs> everything from internet pages to music to video games to books Brewster uh, when you're archiving internet web pages, like you've obviously got bots and scrapers going out there to to get them all and bring them back to your servers, and we'll talk about that in a second. But how much of the internet do you think you actually are capturing? Are you capturing like sixty percent? Really hard to know. Hundred um, percent. I mean, that the the internet is in the World Wide Web is effectively infinite. I mean, if you just take a you know a website that does chess, right? Yeah. You know, and, you do, and, and it's sort of infinite. So the question is, is sort of how much of the stuff that people would want to see do you have? And it's really hard to know. Um, and um, but I think we're getting better just because we're collecting about a billion captures every day a billion sorry what a so billion um a billion b um uh you know of either gifs or dumps so it's maybe about half of that are, are pages what you think of as html or txt or a pdf or something like that um so that's the, that's the quantity that we're doing but the real secret sauce of it is people people um so you know it's it's actually there's there these um about 800 institutions um, use a service called Archive It. And it's a subscription-based service of the Internet Archive where universities and state governments and things like that, they, they will log in and they will set up bots 
to go and collect particular websites at particular web frequencies. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, there's an election going on. We need these um, are the main websites. We need these captured every hour for the next day. We need it every week for the, you know, la, 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 la. and it's these librarians that make it so that uh, we've got really the deep collections of the stuff that really matters. And then we have dumb bots that just try to strafe up everything they can, but they're still not going to hit completely deep in the right corners. So it's but this combination of sort of dumb, voracious bots plus uh, 800 institutions and these uh, librarians. And we're just rolling out actually a community webs project in Canada. We did it a couple of years ago in the United States, but we're now doing it in Canada. So your public libraries can get free accounts because it's sponsored by a, a, a foundation that said, okay, let's just get it to their first year, they're up and running, and that those those guys can go and start to collect things that are appropriate. So historical societies were interested in all of that. So if you have anybody listening that wants to go and say, let's use that to make sure that our COVID response uh, websites, our, uh, uh, our local happenings, uh, our local newspaper, our, our you know, the, so those things are, are uh, well archived. We can now have free accounts uh, for the next year for I think like, 50 to 100 institutions in Canada um, that can go and deploy themselves with the help of bots to make sure that we've got really good captures of what matters from the web. Brewster, where is all this stuff kept and how much is it taken up? Like this isn't a server under your desk there at home. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's about 70 petabytes of data. So it goes mega, giga, Terra, what comes after Terra is peta, petabytes. So 70 petabytes of data and it's stored in multiple copies. Um, so um, the primary copy is actually in um, this former church in, the, uh, in San Francisco that we bought with actually have servers in it. Um, there's another copy um, in Richmond, California um, and um, upcoming, there will be a partial copy, hopefully a full copy over time in Canada. Um, so the Internet Archive Canada is going to become first class. We also have a partial copy in Amsterdam and a partial copy in Alexandria, Egypt. Really? Actually, in <laughs> Alexandria, Egypt, in the Library of Alexandria. And if, you, if you're ever in Cairo, go visit um, not after maybe after you go to Giza. But um, go visit Alexandria. It's a beautiful city, and they built a new library, um, and they redid the first floor architecture to go and show off the blinking lights of uh, the uh, Wayback Machine that they that they run in Alexandria, Egypt. So the idea is have lots of copies. Lots of copies keep stuff safe. That's. So I can't wait to go to Alexandria to see that in person. Uh, it'll I feel like James or uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Brewster, a question I have for you: When you're capturing all this content, how do you handle copyright or copyright claims or issues around that? Right. And there's, there's it's got to be a really complex mess when you're dealing with ROMs and emulation versus newspapers and other things. TV shows, music, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so almost everything in a library is copyrighted. Yeah. Right? Almost everything. Right. So how do you go and how do you make it still work? Um, so it's we 
basically acquire things. Um, like we acquire books, we, you know, we, we either get them donated or we buy them. Um, and we then preserve them and then we make them available at some level. Let, let's take the, let's take the books for instance. Um, so we digitize books, all the out of copyright books. Actually the real leader in that was Carol Moore at the university of Toronto. She's probably my favorite librarian. She just said, I want to go and digitize and make available to everybody all of the public domain materials at the University of Toronto libraries. And the University of Toronto is the sixth largest uh, library in the North America, right? It's just amazing. And she just said, let's just do it. And we worked together and we got it done. Um, but then how do you keep going and do the in-copyright materials? So we digitize in-copyright materials uh, we for the blind and dyslexic, we for the people with print disabilities. And it turns out that uh, Carol said that 7% of the incoming freshmen of University of Toronto have problems reading print, 7%. And so if we can go and make everything available to them, they will do much better at University of Toronto. But what if you could actually make it better all the way before? How many more would be in the University of Toronto if they didn't have stumbling blocks of having trouble with print? So we make things available, the, the print disabled. Then uh, we also make things available for machine learning, right? So you can go and do that. Then we wanted to do more. And then we made it available for um, a controlled digital landing. So if we had a physical copy that wasn't circulating, we could make a digital copy and lend it to one person at a time, right? So it's a digital lending library. It's kind of lame, right? You know, you sort of say, hey, why don't you just make lots of copies? It's like, well, there's this thing called copyright, right? So there's, um, so the copyright uh, uh, made, so we did the control digital lending and now we're doing interlibrary loan. Um, so all of these uh, are mechanisms to try to make a, a balance work or we did television, right? We recorded television from all over the place. What if we just take the television news and make um, 30 seconds available kind of thing. Um, and then if you want the whole thing, then you ask to borrow it. We print it onto a, a, a DVD, I guess a thumb drive these days. We send it to you and you have to send it back. You say that's lame. It's like, yeah, but that's the balance. Um, with the World Wide web, if it's um, something that doesn't, somebody doesn't want up, um, usually it's actually kind of privacy things or, you know, it's uh, something that they're not all that proud of. Then we go and we uh, uh, we take it out of the Wayback Machine. So we're, people write to info at archive.org. We're talking with Brewster Kale. He's the man behind the uh, Internet Archive, the Wayback Machine, a really cool website that allows you to go back in time to see how the web used to be. We have got Brewster Kale on board today. He's talking all about the Internet Archive, I guess because he invented it, <laughs> more or less. Uh, Brewster, you're talking about digitizing everything from music to video games to books. Google's in that game as well. Aren't they trying to digitize the, the world's books as well? What's the difference between what they're doing and what you're doing? Absolutely. Aren't they fantastic? I mean, I use their services all the time. It's yep. completely great. Um, and they've digitized 25 million books, right? And we've done a measly 5 million or so. Yeah. So, you know, they're, 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 really, uh, they're, they're really doing it. But they're doing it from a very different angle. Um, they're doing it to basically make their search engine better. 
um, and also try to make money out, out, out of it. Um, to their credit, they went and donated a copy to, um, to a thing called the Hathi Trust, which is sort of this um, subscription based, you know, only for elite institution uh, 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 collection, uh, which so, uh, you know, thank you to Google for going and making a preservation copy someplace. Um, ours, our goal is to really help um, the unaffiliated researchers, uh, the Wikipedia contributors, the uh, kids that are stuck at home, um, you know, not able to get to the books that are in their library, the people that are far away from their homes um, that aren't able to, uh, far away from libraries so they can't get access. Um, we are, um, and we don't have a profit mo motive and it makes it fundamentally different. Um, so, so, you know, okay, they're a billion dollar company and we're uh, not. Um, and so we, we survive on donations, right? People just donate money to us. Um, you know, we do the end of the year begathon, um, like Wikipedia or, uh, or national public radio down here in the United States. Um, and people contribute um, if they use it. Um, and so that's what, how we survive. And that makes it so that that's our user base. We, we're not trying to serve advertisers. <laughs> are you taking in enough money though like to uh, like how much oh, does this oh, cost how, how much does this cost no, to run no, 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 never enough money but we're doing we're doing fine um you know we a, a lot of the, the biggest cost for us is people um it's the people who, and um so most people actually are volunteers and they they upload things to the internet archive from outside. They, they, they digitize stuff and they, so they go to archive.org and there's an upload button so they just go upload and they just add things in and then we help try to organize it and guide things to go and try to fill in the gaps but it's amazing materials that are uh being done um and we we write on the coattails of of, of organizations like google like if you go to archive.org it's really hard to find your way around but uh, most people find their way by using like Google and they go and find just the book they're looking for or the music they're looking for or um Gosh, TV programs, all these sorts of miscellaneous things that people, oh, there's, a, there's somebody that's uploading 1 million manuals, a million manuals, like, you know, like all those manuals to all those, you know, consumer things, it turns out they're collectors of those. And they're awesome. And they're uploading a million manuals. Um, so this is the, the way, that's why the internet's so awesome, is it really is just us, all right? It's a big collaborative, sh radical sharing project that is the World Wide Web. And we're sort of part of that original era idea of the, no, you shouldn't just go screw people over like some of the new uh, platforms out there. You should actually like, be behind them and if you're behind them they'll help support you so the internet archive is pretty good uh in pretty good shape the address again for people to find out more archive.org oh and there's another that's a lot easier to use openlibrary.org openlibrary.org is a website that's really designed around books um oh oh, oh and there's a new one new one new one uh scholar.archive.org scholar archive.org it's not actually uh competing with google scholar but it has um 25 million papers and a lot of uh, the long tail things that aren't on the uh internet anymore of uh academic papers and open access journals that that uh, have gone under so it's 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 a, a a good collection brewster thanks so much for joining us and telling us your favorite librarian as well <laughs> <laughs> thank you go carol moore
You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Don't forget to hit our contest page. It's the most amazing contest, John. A TCL 20 Pro smartphone. This thing is amazing. It's got fantastic cameras on it, beautiful screen, and and we're giving away a TCL 4K 55-inch TV as well, which is uh, all kinds of awesome. And if you want extra chances to win, go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. There's a few little things you can do to kind of bump up the odds of uh, you taking home one of those uh, sweet, sweet prizes. So stay tuned for the app show tomorrow because we're going to be talking all about Google's big announcements this week. Uh, every year they've got uh, their big Google I.O. conference. This is kind of like a, an Apple event or an Apple announcement, but on the Google side. So they've announced all sorts of cool new technologies, new phones, new operating system updates, and something really cool that blew me away when I saw some of the videos. Yeah, this is Project Starline, and it's basically Google's sort of answer to Zoom fatigue, if you will. The idea behind it is that it's actually a a video um, photo booth. Yes. And it actually has a 3D scanner built in. And so what happens is you have this display in front of you. It looks like a window, like it's a big 65-inch window. Yeah. (laughs) When I first saw it, I'm like, oh, that's what happens when you go to prison and you need to visit your relatives. Yes. It looks like you're in one of those, you know, plexiglass Dividers, yeah, yeah. So, but the the really interesting thing that they've done is because it's like a, it's like a glass, like glasses less display, three D three D display. So your whoever you're talking to is there in three dimensions. Yeah, because the camera is mapping you in three D space. Yeah, it's kind of like hologramish. I mean, it's I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, you, even the videos, I, I'm kind of thinking it's one of those things that doesn't look good unless you're actually there. Yeah. Because, I mean, I spent a lot of time doing 3D scanning and texture mapping and all that kind of stuff, and I could see that's what's going on there, but with you have the proper display where you don't even see the glass. You see the person that's in front of you, and they were showing people talking to, like, you know, relatives and kids and stuff like that, and they were just, like, practically crying because it was like they were right there. It blew me away, John, when I saw it. So I don't know how soon this is going to be coming, but you got to stay tuned for the app show tomorrow uh, across Canada on Sundays. And in Toronto, also, it's uh, Saturday nights as well. Do we have a secret word this week, John, for the contest? We do. For the TCL contest, Yeah, secret word is pasta. Pasta. If you want extra entries to win one of those two sweet prizes, a TCL phone or TV, go to the contest page, find the secret word entry, and it is pasta to get you some more entries to up your odds. I want to thank John and Christina and the rest of the team that helped put the show together. We'll see you again next time.